Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. This is Labor Day weekend. You look around you, and you know that it's Labor Day weekend. Because some of them know that that's the unofficial end of summer. That's what it's called, the unofficial end of summer. I was really shocked when I looked up Labor Day. How many knows when Labor Day started? It started before Gator was born. <laughs> it was started in Oregon in 1887. It became a national holiday in 1894. So that's even before Lee was born. That's a long time ago. And labor day have started by the labor unions. But I can tell you, I'm glad that I learned how to work. Amen. Now, I know there's a lot of people that think work is a four-letter word. And it is. But aren't you glad that we have the opportunity to work for God? Dear, dear friend of mine who's deceased now, going to be with the Lord. He was blind. When I say blind, he was totally blind. He had a disease that took him several years to get there. And so he did everything he could to prepare himself to get ready for that time. And he told me, he said, Pastor, being blind is not my major problem. I can handle that. But not being able to support my family breaks my heart not to be able to work because I want to take care of my family so that's the hardest thing of all I can't imagine I know during the depression there's a lot of people that wanted to work they would have done anything I know my dad worked for 50 cents a day do anything for the privilege of laboring. The privilege of working. And I'm thankful that I have the joy of working for the Lord. And working not just for the Lord, but the work for my family. First Corinthians chapter 15. It's an awesome chapter. It starts... With this. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. We're gonna look at that a little bit more, but let's 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 see what vain means. Well, I looked up that word vain in the our dictionary, and it means producing no result. It means useless. It means having no meaning or likelihood of fulfillment. Then I looked it up in the biblical dictionary in Strong's Concordance, and the word means void of results, aimlessness. In other words, when you say, don't let your faith be in vain. 
It means don't let it be void of results. How many knows God wants it to have results? And how does that work? It works because of our faith in God. Now, if you continued reading on there in that chapter, now let me go ahead and apologize to you. I got here, uh, I always get here four, four to five o'clock in the morning on Sundays and type up my message. Yes, I know what I'm going to preach before then, but I type it up then. But this morning, my uh, computer was not working, and so I had to handwrite it. And it's been over an hour, so it's got cold, so I can't read it. <laughs> so please bear with me if I stumble over some of it. But if you read here, it, it, as we continue looking at chapter 15, it starts with that, that unless you believed in vain or you believed needlessly because it was not there. But if you continue on with that chapter, it goes on to speak, number one, of the resurrection of Christ. Because with the resurre without the resurrection of Christ, our faith is what? It's vain. It's useless. It accomplishes nothing without the resurrection of Christ. And then Paul goes on to say that he's the least of the apostles. And then he tells us that death is our last enemy. Now, I, you know, we've had to do a lot of funerals lately and memorials. And, and it's something that none of us like to do. But I can tell you something, as a Christian, that's the last battle you'll ever have to fight. That's the last battle you'll ever have to fight because as we go through the valley of the shadow of death, when we get through that valley, we're in heaven and we'll never have to fight another battle. So it's all over. So we need to understand that. And Paul tells us in this chapter that death is the last enemy to be destroyed. Then he talks about the resurrection of the body. Let me begin reading in verse 54 of that chapter. At 54 of, uh, of that chapter. Where it says, When the perishable puts on imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what did Paul start off with? He said that unless our faith is in vain. But I want to tell you, if our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ, and him dead, buried, resurrected again, we're winners because greater is he that's within us than he that is within the world. Amen? Isn't that awesome? That our faith is not in vain. But let's read one more verse. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord you're Labor is not in vain. That your labor is not in vain. I know that a lot of times we don't think about this life that we live. But the life we live in Christ is the labor that we do in preparation for going home. If it's a labor that you do. Now, the writer of 1 Corinthians also wrote the book of Philippians. So let's go to Philippians and, and see a little bit. He shares an interesting challenge in the book of Philippians. 
and I'll find it in a minute. Philippians chapter 2, and I want to look at verse 12 and 13 to start with, because it really seems kind of confusing. Because it says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my present, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your salvation? This was the same guy that said our works are as filthy rags. So what in the world is he saying? Well, let's read on. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. To will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, this was so uh, amazing when I looked at it because I, I never looked up the word work there in the, in the Greek. But the word in verse 12 means literally to put forth an effort. How many knows what put forth an effort means? That means to put forth what? An effort. To, to try. To strive. That we need to put forth an effort. But then when you look up the word in verse 13, where it says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. That does not mean to put forth an effort. It means it's already done. The work that God's going to do in you has already been paid for. It's already been done. An amazing thing when Paul says you need to work out your own salvation does not mean that you can earn it. It all goes back to what it said in the previous chapter that we believe it, it's our faith. Because if it wasn't for the resurrection of the dead, of the Lord Jesus Christ being the first fruits, and if it wasn't for the promise of us being resurrected, our faith would be null and void. It would be useless. It would be in vain. And the reality, our works or our labor would be in vain unless the Lord helps us. It's him working in us. Now, I want you to know I could camp there for a while, but I won't. So let's go back and read the context of, of that where it says work out your own salvation. I'm not going to read the entire chapter, but let's go back and read the first few verses. So if there's in any encouragement in Christ any comfort from love, any participation, that literally means any fellowship in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but as to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Now, go on and read the rest of that at a later time. But let's drop down again to read verse 12. that We've already read. Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good works. Keep reading. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Now, that did not say do some things. It didn't even say do most things. Do all things, what all things are about? The things that you're doing while you're working for the Lord, while you're laboring for the Lord, because you don't want your labor to be what? In vain. 
Don't do it with grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among you shine as lights in the world. Shine as lights. Remember what Jesus said? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father. See, you need to do the works that people will look at you, not to see what you have done, but to glorify the Father. To glorify the Father. It's so, it's so amazing. He said, let your light, and that's what Paul was saying here. He said, let all of these things in the crooked and, and twisted generation, King James says perverse generation. What, that, what does that mean? That means the darker it is around you, the brighter your light's going to shine. I said, the, the more perverse, the more weird, the more distorted, the darker it gets, the brighter your light shines. So holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Isn't that what we're talking about? We don't want our works, we don't want our labor to be in vain. So what do we do? We keep on running. Even if I'm to be poured out, who's writing this? Paul. Even as I'm being to be, if I am to be poured out as a drink offering, those of you that know the scripture, if you go to his last book, the last book that he wrote to Timothy, his son, the faith, he said, I am already being poured out as a drink offering. He was prophesying this in, in Philippians. Philippians, he was in jail and he was writing it and saying, and you know what the theme of Philippians is? The joy of the Lord. In the midst of prison. But it says, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with you all. Likewise, also you should be glad and rejoice with me. Wow. I don't know if you caught that, but as it started out, Paul says we need to understand that we're in the fellowship with God. That in this, this life that we're living, in this life that we're living, God has ordained for us to let our light so shine before men. Every one of our lights shine in a different place. It shines where we are in a different manner. But it's God shining through us. And if we do that, then he's reminding us that your labor, your efforts will never be in vain. Isn't it exciting to know that regardless, have any of you felt like a failure? I'm not the only one here. Man, sometimes, Steve, I feel like I'm just a total failure. And sometimes my wife agrees. <laughs> but the amazing thing is that God says, you just keep your light burning, son. Because the darker it gets, the bigger failure you think you are, probably the brighter that light shining. Because it shines in the darkest place. It shines in the darkest place. And it says, is there any encouragement in Christ? Is there any encouragement in Christ? Fellowship with him, participation. You know what the word fellowship literally means? It means being in the same boat with. Aren't you glad you're in the boat with Jesus? Amen. That you're in the boat with Jesus. And he says, listen, boys, keep on rowing because we're going to get to the other side. Sometimes he miraculously delivers us. Sometimes we go in a storm. And sometimes he does his thing that we don't even expect. But God is able. 
because we have fellowship with the gospel. Some of you have heard me say this before, but I used to struggle with Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, and I'm not going to read it all, but let me just paraphrase it. Jesus was speaking, and he said, The kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house that went out and found people to work in his vineyard. And he went out early in the morning, and he got some recruits. They went to work in the vineyard. He went at nine, and for farmers, nine o'clock's late. He went at nine in the morning, and he got some more recruits. He went at noon. He went at three, and he kept getting recruits to go work in his vineyard. And the ones that went to work at daylight, ones that went to work early, they thought they was going to get more. Because when he started giving out the rewards or the pay, he gave those that started right with an hour before sunlight, sundown, he gave them the same pay. How many thinks that's unfair? Now, I've always felt like I never wanted to get paid what I was worth. I've always, Steve, I wanted to get paid for, for, for more than I was worth. But I always thought that if I put more time in, I ought to get paid a little bit more. And that bothered me until I realized something. See, Jesus, right before he was going to the cross, he shares this. And I realized that one of the greatest joys of my life, Gator, is the men and the women that I've been able to work with in the vineyard all my life. Some people only get to do that for an hour. But Steve, I've known you for... 37 years, right close to it. What a joy to have fellowship and to be able to work together for the kingdom of God. All those people that get a deathbed conversion, hey, they're going to get to go to heaven. They're going to get the, the pay, but then they've missed out on a life of joy. They've missed out on so much. And I know there may be somebody here said, well, I'm going to get saved before I die. Well, let me just tell you, you don't know when that's going to happen. But you're missing out something. Because you're missing out fellowship with a family. I worked with my family. And back in, when I was a kid, and we even rode in the back of the pickup truck. Sometimes even with our feet hanging over. Thank the Lord we survived. And we worked hard. But the joy at the end of the day when we were headed to supper and we were out of the hot sun and we were in the back of the truck and it was cool how great it was because they had fellowship with the family. Now I want you to know something. It, how many are Christians? How many are Christians? Now, we're not going to count all the votes. But I want to tell you, if you're a Christian, you've got a great boss. Amen. I said, you've got a great boss. Now, if you're not a Christian, 
It's not so good. Because, see, my boss tells me that he loves me. My boss tells me that he's going to give me an abundant life. My boss tells me that I'm going to provide everything you need to accomplish what I ask you to do. Now, I tell you what, I've, I've worked in some secular jobs that I didn't have that. They said, you do this, but not give me something to do it with. But my God says, I will supply all your needs. I will give you the ability to do the work that I've called you to do. Yeah, I've got a good boss. He wants to give me everything, and he gives me bonuses. And I want to tell you, my retirement plan's out of this world. But Satan, on the other hand, wants to kill you. That's your boss. If you're not a Christian, Satan wants to kill you. He wants to steal from you. He wants to take away all your joy. That's all I'm going to tell you. If that was me, I'd want to change bosses. Because my boss loves me. My boss sees beyond the surface. Now, I've worked a lot of secular jobs. Some of them were good. And most of my, most of my bosses have been good. There's been a lot of times that I knew they didn't see what I really did. But guess what? God sees it all. He sees it all. And he knows what you're doing. Even the times that you think you failed, he saw you planting the seed. He saw you watering the seed. He saw you crying over the seed. He sees all those things. He sees me. And as I've already said, he provides everything I need to accomplish the task his for me to do. So when I talk about our, my work not being in vain, I just remember all I've got to do is yield to him. But that's my hardest problem. Maybe not you. But see, the Gospel of John says, in John chapter 15, one of Jesus' last messages, he said, I am the true vine. And my father is a vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you're clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me. And I in you. See, that's the hardest thing. To remember that I've got to stay in Christ. Because I can't do anything on my own. I said, I cannot do anything spiritual on my own. I need God's spirit in me. I need to stay abiding in him. Because if I abide in him, guess what? If you continue reading that, it says that God didn't, we did not choose God, but he chose us. And he appointed you that you should go forth and bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain. Amen. That it would not be done in vain. That your labor would not be done in vain. So we remember that. And then over in Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Some wonderful words. Begin reading at verse 6. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. 
For whatever one sows, that will he also will reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap from the flesh, reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Verse 9, and let us not grow weary of doing good. Another word for that says, let us not grow weary in working. Let us not grow weary in fulfilling our ministry. Let's not go weary in what God has asked us to do. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. Now, King James Version says, if you don't faint. In other words, if you keep on keeping on, so then, as we have opportunity, let us have Good, let us do good to everyone, and especially those who are the household of faith. What's the mean that we keep on working, that we keep on laboring to do what God asks us to do? And some, some of you say, well, pastor, what's the big deal? I've got a lot to do personally. I've got to think of myself. I've got to accumulate all that I can. Yes, you can. You can do that. But I can tell you what's going to happen. One of these days, you're going to leave that whatever it is aside. Now, there's nothing wrong with accumulations. I told them in the 8 o'clock service this morning, if you've got $2 million in your retirement, you, my wife and I would be glad to go on a cruise with you. Okay? You can use it for the good. But the, the thing is that if you're just accumulating earthly things then your labor is in vain because you're going to leave all of that here. You may enjoy it for a while, but you're going to leave it here. So what is the greatest of importance? What is, what is the greatest thing of importance? Let's go to Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life will lose it, but whosoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world? And loses his soul. He said, don't let your faith be in vain. And if our faith is based on anything other than the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our faith is vain. That's what Paul said in that chapter. He says that the only thing that reason we're saved is because of Jesus dying for us. Being resurrected for us. For doing all that for us. That's the only way we can be saved. And the only way that our works is not in vain is if we allow and do the works that he has called us to do. By abiding in him. 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 10. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those 
who believe. The Savior of all people. One of the most moving scenes of any movie that I've ever seen was in the movie called Schindler's List. Schindler was a Jew, and I don't even think he was a Messianic Jew, but he hired a lot of people to work for him, Jews in Germany and Poland, that he could give them escape out and escape the Holocaust. He saved hundreds. And years later, they gave him a huge celebration. And he had people there in the audience that he had saved. Hundreds had children that they had saved their parents. Hundreds. And when they were presenting him with his reward, he was so tearful. And they thought maybe he was tearful because of his celebration. And he said, no. If I'd have worked a little harder, I could have saved one more. I could have saved one more. He saved hundreds, maybe thousands. But if I could have done a little bit more, it's just my opinion that when we get to heaven, when we, when the Bible says he wipes away all the tears from our eyes, I believe that setting is going to be when we stand before God and we realize what we could have done and didn't do. It's going to be heartbreaking. I'm glad God wipes away the tears. We're going to have victory. We're going to have the joy of the Lord. But don't let your labor be in vain. I've got a great verse to share with you in Revelations chapter 14, verse 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the spirits, that they may rest from their labors. See, even for the Christian, we get tired. But what's he promised? That in due season we'll what? Reap if we faint not. Because there's coming a time that we'll rest from our labors and not just rest from our labors, said for their deeds. We'll follow them. That great song, thank you. Thank you for giving to the Lord. All the people that you've ministered to, all the missions offering that you've given. I believe God's going to let us see just a glimpse of what God has allowed us to do. Not because of who we are, but because of the works that we've done that are not done in vain. Amen. Matthew chapter 25, the closing verse. Matthew chapter 25, verse 23. Come on up, worship team. Master, his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. 
You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Enter into the joy of the Master. So what did Paul say in the words that we started with? Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your work or your labor is not in vain. Would you bow your heads with me? I realize this morning this, this message is basically for the Christians to encourage you to keep on doing the work that God's called you to do. Regardless of how trivial that you may consider it, if it's what God wants you to do and God sees you, He understands, He's going to provide for you to do that work. So do not let your labor be in vain. And don't save the whole world but lose your own soul. Hold on to the Lord. But if you're here and you're not a Christian, it's time to change bosses. I can tell you, my boss is better than your boss. God loves you with an everlasting love. And there are a lot of things we don't understand, a lot of things we may not comprehend, but God loves you. Loved you so much that he gave his life for you so you could be part of the family you could have fellowship. And he made provisions for eternity that you can live with him. And so if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, then I'd encourage you to make your way to the altar and someone will meet you here and pray with you. And if you're here and you know Christ, we need to celebrate in the good things of God because we've got a great God and it's a pleasure to work in the kingdom with brothers and sisters like you. God is so good to us. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do, to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.